Last time on the Gosh Podcast, I got up on stage and introduced myself as, you know, a Broadway aficionado, an A-plus chef, um, and a cancer survivor. And in front of a room of 500 people, that was the first time I had ever said that out loud. Thanks for listening to the Gosh Podcast. Gosh stands for the Gynecologic Oncology Sharing Hub, an open space for real and evidence-based discussions on gynecologic cancers. We'll share the stories of gyne cancer patients and survivors and hear from researchers and clinicians who are working behind the scenes to improve the lives of people with gynecologic cancers. Our podcast is produced and recorded on the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. It is produced by the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative, a province-wide initiative in British Columbia with the mission to accelerate transformative research and translational practice on the prevention, detection, treatment, and survivorship of gynecologic cancers. Hi, I'm Nicole Kay. And I'm Stephanie Lam. And you're listening to the GOSH Podcast. So, you know, one of the questions that we had for you, I'm going to flip it around because I think how would you say Chick Mission or being involved in Chick Mission has changed your own personal journey being a cancer survivor? I mean, from that day on that stage, standing up there and saying I was a cancer survivor, it was something that I was more proud of than felt like I needed to kind of paper mache over. Um, I don't have to explain to you and probably most of your listeners what it was like at 30 having to tell your male boss that you had to go on medical leave because there was something wrong with your vagina. You know what I mean? Like they can't even spell gynecological more or less, (laughs) um, you know, understand both physical and emotionally what you go through. And I remember this is like a weird tangent, but um, when I left media, I told my boss that I was going to leave and I was going to write a book about my experience because I felt like I really handled things with humor and really awful, you know, hilarity. You know, there was no, there was no grace in my experience. Um, cause that's just how I am. And he looked at me and said, why it's not like you climbed Everest or anything. And I just remember being like, bye. So to answer your actual question, immersing myself in my own story and helping people do the thing that was so difficult for me to do makes me feel like perhaps this happened to me for a reason. I have the strength to make this my life Mm -hmm. and to really change the world for a small number of people, but an important group of people. And if you think about not just the woman who becomes a mother and her partner who becomes a parent and her parents who become grandparents and her niece and nephew who have cousins. You know, there's so many people who could be affected by this work. And maybe that's why I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. that makes me a happier, more well-rounded and frankly, kinder person. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm inspired by you right now. That's amazing. <laughs> I honestly feel like we should do like a, a U.S. Canada head-to-head fundraiser with both organizations, and you can be team captain Vancouver, <laughs> and we'll get a team captain Toronto because I'm from Michigan, so I basically feel like I'm Canadian. Right, right. And, Close enough. <laughs> uh, I'll be team captain Ontario, Detroit, because that's where I grew up, yeah. and uh, I feel like there's something here. And you know, I made a joke when we first started that there's so much space 
for so many different women's cancers. And I feel like gynecological cancer really gets a bad rap because people are afraid. And honestly, it's sometimes harder to diagnose. Mm -hmm. um, I had a friend who we did not know that she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer until she died. Yeah. And she had such little time that she decided not to go through the rigmarole where people, you know, feel sorry for you and give you cancer face and all mm -hmm. that stuff. But I think the more space there is to talk about this, um, the more normal yeah. the conversations become. More normal is not English, and I know that. But um, <laughs> I just think it's really important. And I think that I'm kind of not sorry if it makes people uncomfortable. No, you know, I felt that. Uh... I worked in a very male dominant dominated industry for a little while and somebody asked me an older gentleman like oh what were the symptoms that you had before you found out you had cancer and I would normally kind of dance around it was just you know trying to be polite to people and it just started to get like a, it's not helpful and it's kind of annoying to not just and I was very honest about it and I feel like there was just this blank stare of like oh like just <laughs> mortified uncomfortable um but since then you know I try and be not graphic but like just reality of what it is and I think just the nature of where it's located and the types of symptoms and thing that things that were you know maybe conditioned to feel shame or taboo or we don't talk about this um just needs to needs to stop um and i think it's a really like lovely way that you try and find a way to communicate your experience without shock value um i go shock value yeah <laughs> <laughs> but also i mean i don't know i don't want to be off-putting but it's hard to describe that moment where you go through three super tampons in 45 minutes and somebody says this is normal you know mm -hmm. you know when you're trapped in the laboratory at work because you can't stop bleeding and you're texting your assistant being like hey girl hey can you find something <laughs> you know it's forget the fact that it's demoralizing you know all disease is demoralizing yes but when it comes to the core in theory, not in modern ways, but of what makes women women, you know, it, it's a lot. It's a lot for the individual. It's a lot for their family. Having to tell my father that they're, you know, that I had gynecological cancer, like that poor man, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure he did smelling salts. Um, but like you said, you just, you have to own it. And yeah. I believe in authenticity in all things. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me both um, fun to be around at parties, but also a, a little intense. <laughs> but it gives permission to other people to also speak more realistically, share their truth, be authentic, make the conversation something that doesn't have to be scary and uncomfortable. Hopefully one day we get there. Um, I don't think we're quite there yet, but, uh, you know, feeling like breast cancer they've done a lot of work in terms of you know promoting um feeling on the first is such a great yes. campaign and i feel like it's something that people you know are, are comfortable talking about there's no real i haven't had breast cancer so i can't speak personally to but you know i i feel like it's come a long way where it, it's a lot easier for for women to talk about i would imagine but um, yeah and and i was going to say i did not know this until i started working with the chick mission but 
it used to not be mandated that reconstruction after a mastectomy was covered by insurance. So again, they cut off the diseased breasts and left you post-surgery where you were, unless you happen to be a affluent, mm-hmm. lucky human being who had the dollars for reconstruction. Yeah. And I have to check the date, but I think it was like 1996 in the United States where that changed. Um, I don't want to, I've already like given so many clues to how old I am, but <laughs> I was in high school then, you know, like that's not ancient history. No, um, that's not. No. And that's how I feel about hysterectomies and radiation to, you know, the groin and the stomach, you know, that is the same to me mm-hmm. as reconstruction because your infertility is a side effect of yes. your disease. Yes. And side effects like nausea, when you have chemotherapy are covered, mm-hmm. um, medication to help that. And I think at the end of the day, because it's women, people aren't that motivated. And by people, I mean, insurance companies. I do feel there also is the, you know, we're, we're targeting and we're treating cancer and the whole aspect of survivorship and what that looks like post-cancer treatment, um, on the whole person, not just, you know, moving through the effects of radiation and chemo, but your mental health, your physical health, your sexual health. There are so many different avenues where you are impacted, even just, you know, socially, economically. Um, There's so many changes that take place and the the sole focus and, and grateful for it is that we focus on treating patients and then we move them out and saving the life. Yeah. No conversation about what the life looks like. And again, you said it, we're grateful for it. These surgeons who save our lives are the reason we're standing here talking about quality of life. Mm-hmm. But I think in modern times, there are so many elements that have to be considered. And that's why when I have the opportunity and the platform to speak with you, you know, sexual side effects, um, <laughs> people are horrified. People don't want to hear about that. I'm like, but I'll tell you. And I think that the emotional burden of realizing that you may never have a family or you have to find a surrogate, which costs, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but it is Boku bucks here in the United States. And it's challenging in Canada um, because you can't pay for it. So it's altruistic. Um, You know, you have to cover all the costs or anything related to um, the pregnancy uh, and legal costs and, you know, any of the um, uh, fertility treatments or that you need to go through there. Um, But you can't actually pay a surrogate to a fee to carry your baby. And the offense, if you are caught, is 10 years in jail plus $500,000. Mm-hmm. And so there's very, you know, there are women who do it, um, but there are not a ton of them. Um, And unless you have, you know, I think if you've got a friend or a sister or cousin or someone who's available, it makes it a bit easier. Otherwise, you know, you're working through um, agencies and I need an egg donor and a surrogate. And both of those are, um, it's a challenge because of those laws and a lot of it's really gray. Um, so 
clinics are a bit uncomfortable and uh, it's just not an easy system to navigate. You know, the path to parenthood, when you, even when you have the opportunity to preserve, but that's why the CHIP mission is so laser focused on it because there are ways to work through the rest of it. There's not ways to work through it once your opportunity is gone. No. No, and I would say I've I've said to women before, even if you don't know and you have the opportunity, do it as an insurance package. Like you don't know, you could change your mind. You may feel differently once you have that option taken away from you, which I, I have heard. Yeah. I felt okay. I felt very differently. And yeah. um it took me 10 years to figure that out. But that's the other part. I unfortunately will not have the opportunity to build a family, but what I do with that sadness and that grief and that overwhelming emotional, just the heft of it is I help other people and I run mm. my mouth about it. And you know what? I have an incredible number of very close friends with kids that I'm involved in their life and in an unbelievable way. And I have, four nieces and a nephew and you know there's opportunities to mother everywhere and then Absolutely. there's part of part of how I feel is the chick mission is my opportunity to mother mm -hmm. women who are very young who are sitting in that same waiting room where I sat wondering how they're going to pay for their egg freezing if they're going to live if they're going to look funny will their partner still think they're attractive will they be able to go back to work like will they be crushed under bills that aren't covered by insurance and you know do they have to drink that garbage stuff in order to get another ct scan you know if i can just take one of those things off the list for those women that's how i'm up mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's amazing yeah um i'm trying to think like i don't really have anything else to to cover off here. I think we covered some really, really good ground. I mean, the last thing I would ask you is, is if um, your listeners are interested in learning more, how can they find out about Chick Mission? Where can they go? I mean, the first thing I would ask is to follow us on Instagram at Chick Mission. Our website is uh, www.thechickmission.org. My email address is Tracy at thechickmission.org. You can just email me if you are in Canada and you just want to talk. If you know people in the States who want to volunteer, if you want to give some money to our grant program, if you want to bring us in for an educational event, we have so many wonderful doctors at our fingertips, survivors, of course, myself, Amanda Rice, our board, we come in with a whole bunch of women who uh, want to talk about this. So there's so many ways, um, especially if any of your listeners live in the state of Texas, um, we spent a couple months down there on an advocacy um, push that was not successful, but we're going back in in 2023 because no one needs a lesson in government, but their legislative session is every other year. I mean, if you live in the States and you care about this, I will find something for you to do. Mm -hmm. And if you live in Canada and just want to talk and compare notes and be like a little girl power, real talk moment, I am here for it. Yeah, I love it. Even, you know, for those of us uh, who are on the Canadian side, just the community as well. Like, you know, if, if you have gone through this, if you're currently facing it, knowing other women in the same boat is, I found it so incredibly helpful to even I if met I- three people with cervical cancer ever. Really? Yeah. Wow. 
<laughs> so for me, I always feel like a kind of a, a, a loner unicorn An outsider yeah. in, a sea, in a sea of breast cancer and lymphoma and, yeah. you know, thyroid, you know, I'm here to meet my other cervical yes. uterine ladies. Uh, yes. I think we have a lot of power in the world. <laughs> We do, we do, and we need that community. So, and we need a better month than January. Oh, yeah, is that cervical? It's weird. Yeah, I think it's like women's cancer or cervical cancer. Yeah. It's like teal, and it's January. And you know what? I um, want May. May. Yeah. <laughs> We've got this month here in Canada is gynecologic cancer month. Um, oh, September. I'm gonna come live. I'm gonna come come live there for September because it's it's a better month. Yeah, better than January. Yeah, it's much better. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tracy. It was so lovely to chat with you and get to know thank you for having us. Really appreciate you sharing your story um, and telling us all about Chick Mission. Um, keep up the great work and uh, we'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on the GOSH podcast. To learn more about the Gynecologic Cancer Initiative and our podcast, make sure to check out our website at gynecancerinitiative.ca.